This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here, Urias, our producer, he's in the background here. Hey guys, how are we doing on this Wednesday night? Doing well. Doing good. Happy after that Sixers win. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was a nail biter, though, wasn't it? Much more than it probably needed to be. Just a little bit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but Chris, let's go ahead and just jump into it already. All right, yeah, we're going to jump right into the Toronto game, the ever-elusive road victory against the Raptors, something the Sixers haven't done in, in quite a while. Um, I think the standout in that game for a lot of people was Tobias Harris, fresh off what some would consider an all-star snub, going for 23 points, 7 boards, 8 of 12 from the field, 3 of 4 from deep. The Sixers, as you said, crumbled a little bit late, maybe closer than it needed to be at the end, but it was a 109-102 victory. They're now 21-11 and on the season, Lucas. And what were your main takeaways from that game? What stood out the most? Well, besides the fact that Forkan Korkmaz loves proving me wrong every single time I count him out. Uh, I mean, the, the, the late game struggles are always going to continue. I'm glad that the Sixers were able to get past it, but um, they need more. It's not Mark. I saw it on Twitter. It's not Marcus Saul that was stopping Joel Embiid the last couple of years in Toronto. It's Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is, I don't know what he's doing differently versus every other coach in the NBA. But he has found a way to really bother Joel with his defensive schemes. And it was very evident. Did, did Joel even – I don't think he scored in double digits, right? Or no, yes, he did. He did, but it was not a lot. What was the final box score on that, guys? Do you get... 18 points on 3 of 13 shooting. Yeah, not pretty. So it was just not something that the Sixers really – Needed, but yeah, Corkmaz proved me wrong. He was inserted into the starting lineup for Seth Curry because he had an ankle injury. And right after, this is right after I wrote about how I think that he's he's losing his minutes to Isaiah Joe. Which, to be fair, Doc Rivers it had indicated that was going that was happening at that time. Corkmaz in the first half, I believe, what was it, five or six threes in the first five threes, right? Five three pointers made in the first half. Um, I believe it was four. So, yeah, he had four three-pointers made in the first half. It was fire from the field. So that's where this chemistry with him and Joel and him and Ben really play into his strengths. But I still hold by the fact is, is he's he, – and Uriah is going to agree with me on this. He's unplayable in the playoff series. His offense doesn't seem to click in the playoffs, and his defense is just horrendous. I think it's wise for the team to start trying to develop Joe on both sides of the ball to be more consistent. He already has the skills. He just needs the strength and the experience to be a good 3 and D player in the NBA. So that's just my, those, those are just my observations. Chris, did you take anything else away from it? Yeah, I'll say this about Furkan. Like, I, I really am not taking much away at all from that game. He had one good quarter. We've seen Furkan have good quarters before. He's been largely really bad over the past few weeks. Joe has been a much more impressive two-way player when he has been on the floor. Um, like Korkmaz only scored three points in the last three quarters, so he cooled down pretty quickly. Uh, uh, Joe's already proven to be a pretty effective defender. He's been one of the best shooters in college basketball for a couple of years now. I'm totally in favor of continuing to give Joe minutes over Furkan in the future. I don't think this game really, really changed that for me. And uh, I, I do think the Embiid thing is notable. He, he got to the line 14 times, which helped bolster that 18 points. But, um, I mean, 
it is notable, I think, that the Sixers won when Embiid was played his worst game of the season. He's argued played his two worst games of the season against Toronto this this two game series. Um, you mentioned the Raptors' scheme, their personnel. They bring a lot of doubles, a lot of different looks. They're just a very smart team all around. Aaron Baines has has given Embiid trouble in the past. And, uh, I mean, the the Raptors' perimeter defenders are just really smart with those doubles. Fred Van Vliet, Ergian Anobi, a lot of length and aggressiveness there. And, I mean, Ben Simmons didn't really have a great game himself. 15 points, nothing too special from him. So the fact that the Sixers didn't get much out of their top two guys and still were able to beat a good team on the road is, I, I think, notable and, and a positive. I can say two things real quick. One, I think um, Chris mentioned Van Fleet or Van Fleet. He really has Ooh. some quick hands. He gets a lot oh, of strips yes. under the basket. Big men. I think he got him beat a couple of times. And earlier, Lucas, you mentioned Furkan Korkmaz. And I'm on record in the past as saying that he is um, unplayable in the playoffs based on his track record. Mm-hmm. Did not score a field goal last year against Boston. But the one thing that is different this year and I want to give him a chance, and it might be effective, is Ben Simmons is being more aggressive. He's shooting better from the free throw line, and he was missing from the playoffs last year. And we see how effective he is when he gets deep, and then he kicks it out. So Khan has a better playoff series last year if Ben plays. We'll never know. This year... (laughs) I think that's fair to say about everybody in that series. Yeah, but, but I think Cork Maz, because he's so limited, he he is more of a benefit to what Ben does than, let's say, Tobias, who can get his own shot. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I want to say about that game um, before we move on is that Shake Milton hit some timely shots in that fourth quarter. Was not afraid. He won three of six from the field, three-point line total. But I remember him at least hitting two big threes in the in the last, like, six minutes of that fourth quarter. And that's something that the Sixers desperately needed. It was surprising to see Mike Scott playing. And it actually, you know what? He was aggressive trying to get rebounds that night. That was surprising. I think he was trying to play for some minutes. And it, you know what? He, I think he earned it in that game. But overall, like you said, it's surprising. Chris, it was, it was a good win considering that the, you know, they didn't get a lot from Joel and Ben. I mean, Give the team, I think Doc Rivers said this is the best defensive effort by the team this season. And I, you know what, it's hard to disagree because you just look at the type of, you know, the fact that they held the Raptors to 102 is pretty good. And I mean, I know that they were missing Kyle Lowry, but the only person that I would say that they let get go off, uh, I mean, Norman Powell didn't shoot a great percentage when he shot. Pascal Siakam got his, but... Besides Chris Boucher, he's still getting really wide open three pointers, and I don't know why. Um, like this, I, I like what the uh, you know Sixers did against the Raptors uh, for sure. But yeah, Fred Van Vliet I think is one of the top five in steals per game. He had Van Vliet had two steals and four blocks that game, and he's like six foot, underrated as a defender for sure. Yeah, I'm a big Van Vliet fan. I agree with your point about the defense. This was one of the Sixers' better games on that end. That That is really where Embiid and Simmons contributed most last night. And the, the team effort, the bench effort, was much better than it has been in recent weeks. The Raptors were riding a four-game win streak, so this was a pretty hot team. They've been consistently good for the past few years. So winning that game with Embiid playing like he did and with Simmons playing like he did, I, I do think was pretty notable. Do you think a fully healthy Sixers team would beat a healthy Toronto team in a seven-game series? I'd rather not find out if I if I had the choice. Be honest with you, I, I would rather not find out. But if I had the if I have to choose, I'm going to say yes because I don't think the Raptors are going to be able to slow Joel and be down for seven games. And I don't think the I mean, yes, Kyle Lowry's great, but. I think the Sixers would take advantage of that size mismatch because the Sixers are bigger. That means Norman Palace playing the three. And that means either Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons is getting guarded by him. And Powell's not a great defender anyway. And so they can either blow that pass by him or post up one of those smaller guards because Lowry and 
Van Vliet are both small guards. So I think it's going to be in the Sixers' favor, though I'll say this. I wouldn't want to watch it, and I wouldn't want to put myself through that that agonizing seven-game series because I feel like it would make make me lose a lot more hair on my head. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that point and just that it probably wouldn't be um, a, a stress-free series. I, I would pick the Sixers to win. I think they're the better team right now, especially if Embiid continues to do what he's been doing all season. I, I think at some point talent just wins out there, but the Raptors do have a, a really good defensive team. They do clearly understand how to get the worst out of Joel. And, I, I mean, I think we've both been on the record in saying the Sixers aren't as impenetrable as the number one seed might make them seem. Like, they're they're a beatable team, and I don't think the Raptors are as far behind as their record might make them seem. So I, I do think it would be a pretty competitive series. But Joel Embiid is playing MVP basketball. Ben Simmons seems on the verge of potentially taking a, a pretty significant leap. And if those things continue, I would I would still pretty comfortably pick the Sixers at this point. But... Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you this before we move on, and it's not on our agenda, but I, it's been a thought that I've been thinking of the last two games. Do you think these two poor outings hurt Embiid's chances of winning MVP? I mean, not really. I think everyone has has an off game or two. You know, LeBron and the Lakers have lost like four out of five. He's on a a slump of late. Lillard, Curry, all of them have had their off nights this season, so I, I, it's really not something to worry about in, in my book. Uh, okay, I, I think it's, a, it's. I don't think it's nothing. I think it's something in you know stealing from the um, the jump. You know, if it's something, nothing or everything. I think it's something, but I don't think it's a big something. But moving on, uh, we're gonna go ahead and, as most fans know and are excited about, or some displeased about. Uh, depending on how you view the all-star game is um, the all-star reserves were reannounced. And here's the list. James Harden, first timer, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, former Sixer, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. So Chris, let me ask you this. Do you think Ben deserves to be an all-star this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I know in in recent podcasts uh, a few weeks ago, I I was kind of on the Tobias train. Obviously, that was before Ben's recent play kind of picked up and he turned a corner. Uh, I do think it's still worth remembering how rough the Ben Simmons experience was early in the season. I don't think we can overlook that, but he is one of the best defenders on the planet. He has put together a few really impressive offensive outings of late. And, uh, I mean, if we're being frank, he is pretty clearly the second-best player on this team. So he also plays a much more important role as the main ball handler. So I don't really have a problem with him getting the nod over Tobias. I think the Sixers getting two All-Stars was the right call. I don't think they really deserved three. And I'm totally fine with Ben getting the spot, honestly. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think Ben getting the, getting an All Star spot is well deserved. And you know me; I've said in the past that even if his offense isn't great, they always give at least one guy an All Star bid because of how good he's he is defensively. That happened twice this season: once on in the West, once in the East with the Sixers in the East. I would say Ben would definitely be that guy uh, this year, and in the West it would be Rudy Gobert. Uh, in the past, you've gotten guys like Dennis Rodman or Ben Wallace. You know. Defensive guy, oriented guys, uh, Draymond Green, those guys getting all-star bids despite not being that illustrious scores. So, yeah, no, I think it's totally deserved for Ben. Like you said, he's the second best player on the team. It's clear that, and his recent play has proven that. Uh, but, you know, there was a sixer that a lot of people believed was snubbed, and that was Tobias Harris. Do you think he deserved to be on the team still? I mean, if there's one player that... I could even fathom an argument for Harris replacing it would be Ben, right? Like, I don't think the Sixers really deserve three. I don't think there's anyone else on that, on the list that made it that has had a worse season than Tobias. You know, we can talk about Boston getting two despite being now below 500, but the East is... Or Vucevic getting it. Vucevic has been really good this season. I think he was perfectly Yeah, but but you know the Orlando has been so terrible, man. Yeah, like Orlando's bad. The Bulls are pretty bad. The Knicks are, Bulls are only a game and a half out of the eighth spot. 
I know, but they're below 500. The East in general is is pretty bad this year. Mm-hmm. I think Vucevic has done insane numbers for a team that doesn't have a lot around him. So I, I'm really fine with him getting on. I don't have any major complaints with the roster that was picked. I think Trey Young had a pretty compelling case that I might have been in favor of. But no, if if Ben was going to get this. Uh, then Tobias is going to be left off. So I don't know if I would call it a snub. I think it's perfectly justifiable. And so the it sounds like you, you kind of answered my next question was, do you think Ben should, he should have gotten it, made it over Ben? And it sounds like, no, you think Ben should have, should have gotten it. Is that correct? I mean, it, it's pretty much a 50, 50 like thing for me. I, I would have been fine with either one getting it and either one being left off. I'm going to say no, Ben does not deserve it over Tobias. And the reason why is has to do with the consistent play of Tobias all season. If you look at his stats and his shooting percentages being above 50% from the field, uh, close to 40%, uh, I don't know after recently if it went down, but 40% from three and 90% from the foul line, the only statistic that Ben really is superior at is on the defensive side. I'll give him that. And maybe a few more assists, but rebound-wise, Tobias has as many boards. And um, how many game winners has Ben Simmons hit this year? And yeah, I, I think Tobias hit one. It, it's one more than Ben. Ben Ben would never hit a game winner, Chris. Never. That's never not, ever. Like he would never do game. Winner. Well, okay. No, I am actually going to come to your right. He's. He's passed up multiple game winners past seasons. I remember one game against, I forget who it was, but he gave the ball to Al Horford. Al Horford, Chris. Okay. I'm sorry. If, the shot. if you're a number, if you're a number one pick and you're six foot ten and the best athlete on the floor, and you're afraid to take the last shot, you don't deserve to be an all star. I'm sorry. Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't I'm, know about that. A number one pick, I, I, the number one right. pick in the draft. The fact that you're, you're right to answer to answer your question. He is averaging twenty point seven points. Uh, he is shooting fifty one percent from the field, forty one percent from the three point line, eighty eight percent, almost eighty nine percent from the, the foul line. And 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 thank you for updating those stats. And one last thing before I let you guys move on because you guys are running the show here. But I will say this about Ben: we've seen him in the past as the all-star game was approaching and he's trying to accumulate votes or gain favor, either from coaches or his peers or fans, he ups his game up right before the game, before the all-star break. And he just did that. Now, what's he going to do after the all-star break? Is he going to keep it up? I don't know. I just are, think it's, are you it's a pattern. accusing Ben Simmons of, of stats hunting and padding his stats? Just no, game? I would, he would never do anything it's, like that. I mean, it sounds like that's what you're doing. It sounds like that's what you're doing. I'm I just I'm just saying elevate your game, Ben. I'm I'm gonna stay on him until he elevates his game and shows consistency. Yeah, so here here's my response to that. It's that like the all star game isn't all star births aren't based on performance relative to expectations. Like the fact that he's was a number one pick really shouldn't factor into it. I mean he's if he's been one of the twelve best players in the conference, he should get an all star berth and that's the conclusion that the coaches came to, I, I think it's a perfectly justifiable decision. And I agree that he is sometimes a liability late in games, but he's also the main playmaking hub for this team in a lot of ways. I think saying he just averages a few more assists than Tobias is kind of underselling the importance of Ben as a facilitator. I don't think that does him justice. And he, again, is like arguably the best perimeter defender on the planet, which is, shouldn't be understated. So I will give you that. I will give you that. Ben yeah, is a so superior I, defender. I will say this. I will say this. I understand why the coaches voted Ben over Tobias. And the reason is this. Coaches love two-way players. Tobias is, yes, better defensively this year than he has all been all of his career. But Ben is a two-way player. I mean, he, no, he's not like a, a offensive force, but – Gosh, he obviously is key to running our offense. And he is still elite finishing around the rim, and he's been more aggressive attacking the paint this year, especially as uh, as of late. And out of all the, the Eastern Conference reserves, only Levine is a below-average defender. Everybody else is at least average or above average. 
of these reserves. So that's that's the way I see it. I think the fact that even though Tobias is much more efficient, and you know, I think he'll get more if he gets into that 80, 40, no, 50, 40, 90 club. I think that's a bigger mark in his uh, career, you know, resume versus one all star game. And honestly, I could see Tobias doing this again next year. I think it's possible for him to play up to the similar efficiency as long as he's playing for Doc Rivers. And so in that regard, I think he'll have another shot. Yeah, I mean, I think Tobias in a simplified role where he's embracing open threes and downhill drives and he's not trying to get too too creative with his game. I mean, I think that's generally a very good, very efficient player. We've seen that with Doc in L.A. We've seen that, obviously, this season. So I do think this is a pretty sustainable level of production from him. And we're going to talk more about Tobias now. He recently gave an interview with The Athletic where he was quoted as saying, you know that SHIT pisses me off. I ain't even going to lie. But I also kind of get it because that's kind of been my whole life. He was saying this, of course, in um, as an answer to a question about whether or not people claiming that the Sixers only have two stars upsets him. So he obviously views himself as a third star on this team, as someone who is worthy of that status. Lucas, what do you think about that? Does he have a point? And should he be considered the the quote-unquote third star or part of a big three in Philadelphia? I don't think he's going to, until he gets to an all-star game, he's not going to be considered a big three. Now, I will say this. He is definitely a star in his role this year. He's definitely been a star in his role. He's, you know, he's definitely elevated himself self to where he has a legit gripe to be in the All-Star game. Um, would I say, would I have said that last year? No. Would I have said that when they traded for him? No way, because Jimmy Butler was that. But Tobias is definitely, he's definitely not a terrible third wheel to have on your team. I don't consider him a star yet. I mean, he has a chance to be it, sure, especially if he proves it in the playoffs. I think at this point, now we need to see it in the playoffs because the past two years that he's been in the playoffs for the Sixers, it's been kind of ugly, guys, to be honest. If he can prove it in the playoffs, then I would say certainly he has a legit case. Or if he gets an all-star nod down the road. But right now, no. I tell you what, he was a star in NBA 2K when I would play that game. I played with the Sixers, and he was on Detroit. And there was this guy with the headband, and I knew who Tobias Harris was, but I'm thinking, why is he always hitting all these shots? He In that game, he does not miss a shot. So on NBA 2K, Tobias, you are unstoppable. Yeah, I, I agree with all the points you made, Lucas. Um, I mean, like, how someone defines the term star is really going to determine the answer to this question. That's a pretty... Mm-hmm arbitrary term if you ask five people what is what is a star in the nba you're probably going to get five different answers you know so Mm -hmm. like harris is like a top 50 or 70 guy probably in terms of impact in the league maybe top 50 on a a good night like he's fine i i will say that like the a lot of the reason for his success this year is that he's doing less instead of more like he certainly has his limitations as a player offensively mm-hmm. he goes past a certain threshold in terms of you know what he's trying to accomplish offensively it, it tends to diminish his his positive impact on the game so less is more a lot of times with Tobias and mm-hmm. maybe that would make me say he's not a quote-unquote star, he's definitely not in the same vein as Joel and Ben in terms of, you know, a star-caliber talent. I think those two are on an entirely different level. So in that respect, it's hard for me to call them a, a big three because I, I do think Harris is a tier or two below them. But mm-hmm. he, he is a really good player, and he's averaging 20 points on borderline 50-40-90 shooting. Like, that's hard to do. So he deserves mm-hmm. a ton of respect for the season that he's, that he's put together. He has been more consistent offensively, as we've said on this podcast, than Ben, if we take the entire season into account so far. So he deserves a ton of credit. But I I understand him having self-confidence and saying that it bothers him. And depending on who you ask, who you ask, he might be a star. But he he is a tier below Joe and Ben in my book. I think in most other seasons, he would have been voted an all-star. But the East is so deep this year with all-star talent. And most of the All-Stars are actually healthy. Uh, so I think that really hurt his chances. But he is definitely having an All-Star season. I think we can both agree on that. 
and that um yeah i mean i mean that, and there there are there are multiple snubs quote unquote in the east that mm-hmm. probably would have a case over him like trey young chris middleton jeremy grant if you want to go if you're not that abashed by losing like there are other guys who put up tremendous i forgot that middleton yeah no middleton didn't make it did he gosh that's so weird yeah so it it was a really crowded all-star race this year i think the sixers again deserve two and and tobias happened to be the odd man out don't forget about uh sabonis too 20 11 and 5 mm-hmm yeah so uh, yeah that's Gordon that's Hayward. chris's guy that's uh, chris's guy you, sabonis my fantasy star the sabonis the player um, that no, the, it was funny the, was play, the player that chris too. chose right before i was going to draft him I'm still mad at mm-hmm. you about that well you did that with me and Jalen brown so i'm i'm not going to forgive you for that maybe it's a second <laughs> um and you know the crazy thing is guys side note Jalen brown fell into like the fifth or sixth round of the draft for us, I think, right? Like he did. He was not a top pick, for sure. Um, yeah. But no, I, uh, I will say this. Just a brief aside about fantasy. I had the eleventh overall pick, and I took Cat, who's been out all season. I also had Jimmy, who missed a lot of time. I've had my share of injuries. Kyrie took a six-game break. I'm still eight and one in first place. So. Man, I, I don't want to talk about it. Man, <laughs> you're going to depress Lucas. Time. I have, I have Kevin Durant. I have Aaron Gordon. Who yeah. else is missing time? I I had Kristaps Sporzingis to begin the year. Uh, it's been a rough fantasy year for me. I I almost just want to give up, but I'm not going to be that guy that doesn't pay attention and then just purposely loses. I'm going to try to win. I just don't want to wave any of these guys either. Because I did that with Clint Capella in the beginning of the year, and it uh-huh. gave me so hard. Because I didn't think he was going to be back for a while, and I didn't think him and John Collins were going to fit. Well, he so he's I, fit really well on my team, so I appreciate. Yeah, I I bet I bet he did. I bet he did. That's I'm, why like, I never I, I never do a deal with the devil. Never making a trade with Chris. Sorry, Chris. Not oh, I didn't trade him. I just waved him. Oh, I you waved him? Oh, that you traded with Chris? Nah, I waved Great. him because I that thought makes he was going to be waved. Like they made Ryan, it sound like he was going to be out for like year, early in the year and let me pick him up. Wasn't that you? Uh, that's because Rozier, I don't even think he was picked. I think he was left. I don't think he was selected he, in the no, draft. No, he was not drafted. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, he was a free agent yeah. popping in and out of lineups. Our and team. on top of that, you had uh, Ball, the Ball brother kicking, kicking, oh, almost cursed, but the Ball brother stepping up, getting extra minutes. So, that, no one could say Rozier was going to pop out and be this amazing player. No one knew that. Wow. Man, I I wonder if Boston still does that trade in hindsight now. Yeah, I mean, I still don't think the Rozier contract is a, is a great contract. I don't but, think. But would you would you rather have Rozier on, with Tatum and 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 uh, Brown now, or would you rather have this hobbled Kemba Walker? I mean, Rozier is a solid two way player. I mean, he's not as Actually, he's shooting the ball pretty well from downtown, isn't he? So, yeah, I mean, like the injuries suck, but I, I would have rolled the dice with Kimba. He's been a much better player his his entire career. But moving on, we're going to talk mm. about Tobias once more, and we're going to talk about another interview. This one was with Shaquille O'Neal. He came on ninety seven point five The Fanatic with John Kincaid, and said that Tobias is the key to the Sixers' success this season. So, Lucas, do we agree or disagree with that statement? I disagree because the key to the Sixers' success this season is whether or not Daryl Morey can get a perimeter creator. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to Tobias, but that's the honest truth. Tobias, like you, we've said, he's not going to create his own shot consistently. He's not good at doing. He's not good at doing that consistently. You need to get a perimeter creator, and honestly, with the you know Zach Levine becoming an All Star, I don't see why Chicago would trade him right now. And they would probably get better packages from other teams than what we could offer because we're not offering Ben outside of that. I don't see that happening. Kyle Lowry. I don't know. I don't think the Raptors are going to trade him now. The only guy that I can think of that could be easily had would be a guy like Evan Fournier, which I wrote about today. He's on the last year of his deal that he might walk this summer. If he I, like that. I like that idea, yeah. by the way, Lucas, I like Fournier. But, yeah, he's a three. He's not, you know, he's not a playmaker. He's not, and he's not a defender. But he can get his own shot on all three levels. 
and he's a good spot-up shooter as well. I like it. I think it wouldn't take much to get him. Maybe Danny Green, a young player, but not like a key rotational young player, and a protected first-round pick. I don't think it would take that much to get him from Orlando, who is struggling this year. And he's still in his prime at 28. I think that that would be... Is is he going to... Oh, if we get Evan Fournier, we're favorites. Not necessarily, but he would definitely improve our chances a lot more. Yeah, I agree. I like Evan Fournier quite a bit, too. And again, another thing that's kind of hard to define is, like, what's the key to... The number one key to a team's success. Like, a lot of different factors are going to have to to go right in order for Philadelphia to win a championship. It's Tobias is going to have to play well. Ben is going to have to step it up in the postseason. So many other things are going to have to fall into a place. So it, it's tough to pin all that on Tobias. But generally speaking, I think we know what we're going to get from Tobias role-wise. Obviously, mm-hmm. he struggled quite a bit against Boston, but that was without Ben where he was forced into a role that was – far exceeded his skill set on a team that was not well built like i i think we can trust tobias to play his role fairly well in the postseason i'm not really worried about that mm-hmm. so i agree i think that daryl morris should look to make moves all it takes is one guy to ask for a trade and the whole market flips and philly might have another guy they can you know another big name they can go after we'll see what happens at the trade deadline it does mm-hmm. seem by all indications and reports that Daryl Morey is going to be aggressive. So I expect something to change between now and the deadline. And we'll just have to see what that is. Can I swoop oh. in? I, I want to yeah. swoop in and, and disagree with you both on the Tobias quote from Shaq. Number one, Shaq is, I don't even know how many all-star games he's been in. He has four rings. He's probably one of the all-time greatest centers he knows what he's talking about. And I think the implication that I'm sure you guys know is that he knows that Embiid and Simmons are the stars. And he knows that in the playoffs, someone else has to step up. When a star misses a game or a star is not on, uh, we know Ben has his limitations. So if Joel's has an off game like he did the other night, they need someone else to step up. And Tobias is going to have to be that guy. And I have faith in Tobias. I think him being reunited with Doc Rivers is going to be a tremendous difference in the playoffs. So I actually agree with Shaq, guys. Well, okay, I I get what you're saying, but my issue is can you put the ball in uh, Tobias Harris's hand and say, hey, for the last five minutes, we need you to win this game? Or is Tobias Harris more the player like, oh, I'm going to get my own within the flow of the game, and as the flow of the game favors my style of play, I'm going to get more points. That, I think see, it's that's, the latter. I think I, it's the latter. I don't think it's the former. I don't think you can ask Tobias Harris to win you a game at the end of the game. Now, he yeah. might be able to hit a clutch shot to carry a team the last five or six minutes. That's not him. Yeah, I don't think Tobias is that kind of player. I don't think he has to be. I don't think the Sixers want him to be. I think your point, Uriah, is totally fair and reasonable. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think the opposite is kind of true, too, where... I think Ben and Joel playing up to their potential and having really good series is much more important to Philly's success than Tobias Harris having a good series. Like, they can survive a down Tobias series if Joe and Ben are playing the way they need to play. So it it, it really, it's a two-way street there, I think. Okay, Uh, I can see that. Fair enough. So let's go ahead and move on, because now we need to talk about Ben Simmons. And we kind of talked about it earlier, but Ben Simmons is you know, in the top tier discussion for defensive player of the year. And according to NBA.com's updated award rankings, Ben is second only behind Rudy Gobert and ahead of the Indiana Pacers is Miles Turner. So Chris, do you think that's a good place for Ben? Yeah, I, I honestly, that would probably be my list if I was asked to make one. So I, I, I think that's, Gives all the credit that Ben deserves. I think he's been one of the best defenders in the league. Again, probably the best perimeter on-ball defender on the planet right now. And a really tremendous off-ball player has great instincts. Does a lot of good things on that side of the ball. That said, the Jazz have the best defense in the league. Rudy Gobert should not be, I, I don't think, undersold for his prowess as a rim protector. He is one of those like one-man systems that we've talked about with respect to Embiid in the past. Like Gobert's just an insane 
gifted defender, and I, I think he kind of deserves the number one spot right now. I'm so torn on this because honestly, I keep on thinking to myself, <clears throat> who's the best defender on the Sixers? Because you have a legit case for Joel Embiid because the you know the most recent game he missed, the Utah Jazz put up 140 some odd points against the Sixers or something close to that. I can't remember the exact box score, but my point is this: is that Yes, to Ben Simmons is a top five defender in the league, and I have I'm double checking right now to make sure I, I'm quoting myself right. But I mean, if Joel Embiid's not in the top three of that conversation either, then I don't know what we're doing here. Because I mean, I'm not saying that Miles Turner shouldn't be in there because I mean he's what league leader in blocks by like a mile, and then Rudy Gobert has always been a constant um, professional on the defensive end. So it's it's a tough one for me, like. Yeah, I think with Joe and Ben, they kind of complement each other in the sense that if you don't have Ben out there, other teams are just kind of poking holes in the Sixers perimeter defense left and right. Like they they can't defend a, a talented backcourt to save their lives, frankly, when especially when Ben's out. And when mm-hmm. Joe's out, then you're missing that backdrop who can defend the rim and handle everything in the paint. So they're, they're really both important, I think, to Philadelphia's success. I do think it's fair to argue that maybe the Sixers' defense would be much worse without Joe and with Ben than the other way around if you could only have one or the other. But I do think they both complement each other in Philadelphia's system quite well. They're both really important. And it just comes down to what you value. Um, you, you could definitely make a case for putting Embiid at number two on this list and taking Simmons off of it. It's kind of like the all-star race with Ben and Tobias. I think the Sixers probably only deserve one spot here, and it just depends on who you value, what you value, and you can really make a solid case either way. Can, can we talk about how LeBron James is number four on this list, though? Like, I get LeBron James is actually trying on defense again, but there is no way that he should be fourth on this list. That's no weird. Way. That's very yeah, they got Mikael Bridges number five. Doesn't it just make you love that Zaire Smith trade? Oh, don't bring that up ever. <laughs> Either uh, we need to do podcasts, or I'm going to write about this because it needs to be brought up about how bad Brett Brown really screwed the pooch on that. I think we need to put Brown on the hot seat, get him on the pod, and grill him and say, "Brett, what were you thinking? What yeah, were we you thinking?" Find, I don't know if he's in Australia or Maine right now, but he's probably hiding somewhere for a little bit. And that, that's not to be mean. I'm just saying, like, he probably needs a break from basketball after. Because let's be fair, the Sixers and to, even to his, us as media kind of put him through the ringer. Like he he dealt with a lot last during his tenure. Like he needs a break. Here's but, what I would like to know, guys. I would like to know if if Brett Brown watches any of the Sixers games. Is he watching these games? What do you guys I think? I wonder if we could find who's his agent. I wonder if we could reach out to his agent and see if he would want to come on the podcast. I will. I will say this about Brett Brown again: wonderful human being who I cherish dearly. Mm-hmm. I, I love him to death. Also, I think a pretty solid coach, like a, a good NBA oh. coach. Yes, I really think he took a lot of crap that was was not on him. I think the front office was a much bigger problem over the past few years than Brett was with, with like the Tobias thing that came out about mm-hmm. going left and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a pretty bad look on him. It's a bad look on the scouting department and the video staff and all of them for not making that apparent to Brett. And it's also kind of a rough look on Tobias for not telling Brett, Hey, I, I would prefer to go left. But so I, I don't think that's all on Brett either. Like, you know, there's blame to go. Brett the GM was not a good GM. Yeah, there's blame to go all over the place with this organization over the past five years. Yeah. Like it, it's not all on Brett's shoulders. I, I definitely don't think firing Brett has solved all the Sixers issues. I think a lot of the issues that they had, they still have. Like they've always been a good team. They twenty one and eleven is like not a better record than they had last season. So I, I don't think all their issues are solved, but I will stick out for Brent in that case. Yeah, no, I, I, like you said, he is a great human being. I think he's a good, he's a solid basketball coach that deserves at least one more shot in the NBA, if not a couple more. He can probably take a team to a playoffs if they're built the right way. 
I don't think he can win a championship, but I think he's a playoff coach for sure. That being said, Mikael Bridges is number five on the defensive rankings list, guys. Come on. Defensive player of the year rankings. Come on. Like, not the bust on Zaire Smith, who I think is playing for the Memphis Grizzlies G League team right now. Come on. Well, I, I think that Ben Simmons deserves defensive player of the year. Okay, if you look at what Ben Simmons does, right, defensively, he's much more versatile. He can guard more positions. He can get more steals. He can block just as many shots, especially on a break, on a recovery. And he guards the best player of the other team every single night. And what's Gobert? He also leads just hang down. deflections and recovered exactly. loose balls. Exactly. Deflections is, is out of this world for Ben. And what does Gobert do? Just hang out in the paint, block shots? Come on, man. We gotta give Ben some more credit. He deserves more credit than that. I I, I think that's a pretty. I I don't think that's fair to Gobert. Just saying, he hangs around and blocks a few shots. Like, he, well, look at his numbers. Look at his numbers. He, he is he a rim league and blocks, but that's okay. Probably the right. best rim protector in basketball. I think a lot of people would argue that a good rim protector is the most important, like defensive asset. The Jazz are twenty-five and six. They have the number one defensive rating or one of the top defensive ratings in the league right now. Many would argue the best defense, largely because of Gobert. I mean, I I, I just don't see why he wouldn't get the top spot right now. Like, I I don't want to undersell Ben either, who, again, is wonderful. But the Jazz are a better defensive team. Gobert is as or more important to that defense than both Joe and Ben are to Philadelphia's. And... There's a reason he's won two defensive players of the years already. Okay, he's not the only reason why they're a good defensive team. Let's let's be fair. Mike Conley's yeah, an elite defender at his position, the and they have Derek Favors as his backup. Derek Favors would be a starter on half the teams in the league. Okay, if we want to use that argument, then Ben and Joe should cancel each other out, and neither should be in the top three because they're both all world defenders. Hey, look, That's the I, Chris, 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 Gobert is a great defender. He's he's all first team defense. He's just the number two defender in the league, in my opinion. I guess is okay. The argument comes down to this: Do you like defensive versatility, or do you like defensive being able to anchor defense better? Because if we're going with defensive versatility, Ben's the number one guy easily. But if you're looking at a guy that that can anchor defense, that alters the flow of the game based off of his defense inside the paint, that forces opposing teams to play outside the paint, then it would be either Joel or Ugo Bear or Miles Turner even at that rate. Because Miles yeah. Turner is having a very underrated defensive year, and he's not even playing inside the paint most of the time because they got some bonus. If right. Miles Turner was inside the paint, I bet you he'd be number one this year. Yeah, but he's possibly. not. Possibly. I like that's basically was my point earlier. It really just comes down to what you value. Like, I, I, there's definitely an argument for Ben. I'm not saying it's Gobert all the way, 100%. No argument. Like, like Ben has a solid case. I would lean Gobert personally, but but Ben Ben does have a solid case. And it, like you said, Lucas, it just depends on what you personally, the voters, all value. So it, they, I value defensive versatility. So I'm going to go with Ben. That's that's the way. If you're being the best defender in the league, that means you can guard one through five. And right now, Ben's the best player that can do it because Giannis can guard one through four, uh, two through five. Ben can literally do one through five, and he's better at it than Draymond Green. He's better at it. Yeah, he's the best one at it. Yeah. I mean, again, and, I think that's a pretty big oversimplification of things because there are things that Green is much better at than Ben defensively. He can't guard a point guard one on one, but he's going to deter a lot of drives to the rim he's going to change how point guards approach the game offensively like there's but he's so not the only ben the, he's not the only big man that does that at an elite level i know but, like but he said, does it at a more elite level than every other big man he's the best at that part of the game i do think there's a reason that more often than not the defensive player of the year goes to a center because it's really important to have a good rim protector so it, there, there are a lot of factors. There are, again, a lot of ways you could go with this. So I, it, it's a coin toss, really. I love, love, I'm going to do some research. I want to know the last person that won a, a wing defender that got defensive player of the year. Um, yeah, Kawhi won it two years in a row. I mean, Draymond got it, if you want to count Draymond as a wing. He's um, 
I mean, Draymond played a lot of Cinder minutes that year that he won it. Like, oh, Metal World Peace got it in 2004. Go figure. But yeah, in the last like 20 years, a non center has won it. And I'm going to say non center. One, two, three, four, five, five times. Five times in the last 20 years. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. But I think this might be the last player that won it, won it three times in a row. Actually, no, Rudy Gobert didn't win it. So he wouldn't do it three times in a row anyway. But the last player to win three in his career would be Dwight. Ben Wallace won it four times. Dikembe won it three times. No, four times, my bad. So, yeah, I guess are we putting Gobert on that type of level, on a Ben Wallace, Dikembe uh, type of level? Or is it... I mean, I think so. I, I would say that's fair. Uriah? I don't know. I honestly don't, don't know. know. I don't watch enough of Gobert to compare him to those great players that we just mentioned. If he played the Sixers more often, if he was in the Eastern Conference, and I could compare and contrast, but I, I, can't, I don't have an opinion on that. Okay, well, you guess what? It is, uh, it is your turn to have an opinion on something in regards to Uriah. You want to tell the people about our new little thing out here on, on our midweek podcast? Sure. On the midweek podcast, we're going to be doing a fun Sixers fact of the week. And I'm getting a lot of these stats. There's a, a Twitter page called Sixer Stats. It's run by the Philadelphia 76ers. So they post things about things that are relative to the team. And this stat just came out recently. It says Ben Simmons joins Joel Embiid as the 2021 All-Stars. The duo is the sixth pair of Sixers teammates ever named to three straight All-Star games, joining Julia Serving, Moses Malone, Irving again, and Doug Collins, Hal Greer and Wilt Chamberlain, Dolph Shays and P. Seymour, I wish I knew his first name, and Shays and Costello. So with that fact, let me put this out there to you guys. Of the players that I just mentioned, Dr. J, Moses Malone, Doug Collins, Hal Greer, and well, Chamberlain, and if you want to go further back, if you could bring back one of those players mentioned to play in the current NBA, which player would you want to play today? What Would they be on the Sixers? Yeah, sure. Why not? If I could add one of those guys to the current Sixers roster, I'd say Dr. J. I know that he doesn't really shoot outside shots, but I feel like he would be a difference maker on this team. Yeah, I mean... It's tough to gauge the difference between how the game was played. Like, if Dr. J came up in 2020, he probably would shoot more from the perimeter. So it's it's hard to, you know, hypothesize about that stuff. But, yeah, I, I think I would like to see Dr. J get a shot at today's NBA. Plus, I can't really imagine any of those other current old big men playing next to Joel. I just don't think that that would work in today's NBA either. So, I mean, I would like to see Joe and Will. Like I would, I would like to see it, but I think Doctor J, my choice. I'm pretty sure I read something somewhere about in the 1980s the New Jersey Nets called Wilt about playing for them, and he was like almost 50 at that point. But the guy was a literal monster. Like he was built, and he was strong, and he was big. I mean, he would be. <coughs> excuse me. He would be. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. He would be like a normal guy built in the NBA now, but back then, you know, guys weren't built like that regularly, so it was a different era for sure. Hey, speaking of Dr. J, I got one quick last um, interesting fact for you guys, and Chris, you can appreciate this living in Georgia. So I read the biography of Joey Serving, I don't know, six, seven years ago, and in the biography, it mentioned how, I guess it was the summer before Dr. J went to the Nets. He there was a contract dispute between uh, the Nets and the Sixers, or was it the Nets and the Hawks? I can't remember. I just know that Dr. J was playing in a summer league, and he was in Atlanta playing summer league ball, and he was on the same team as the great Pistol Pete Maravich, and I think that the Hawks were set to play that season with Dr. J and. Pete Maravich, could you guys imagine Dr. J getting alley-oops and passes from Pete Maravich? Ugh, that would have been sick. 
Man, let me tell you something. When I was in middle school, when I first started playing basketball, my dad made my dad pulled up Pete Maravich drills and made me do them uh, after practice every every day. Oh, he was he was Maravich drills. Drills, was, man, those, those those were fun. I I really enjoy the Pete Maravich drills. Chris, did you ever get to do Pete Maravich drills? I I did not. No. What about you, Uri? Did you Pete Maravich drills in middle and high school? I'm I'm sure I did. It was so long ago. I just remember his highlight his highlights, the passes, the dribbling. I think he averaged over forty points a game in one season, if I'm not mistaken. He was a phenomenal player. Chris, you you know about Pistol Pete, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing player. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Well, I think that's about it. So, Chris, do you want to play us out? Definitely. As always, we really appreciate all our listeners for tuning in and giving us the time of week. With all that's going on in the world, um, it can be really nice to just decompress and and talk about the Sixers, and we're glad that you have chosen us to help you do that. Send all your positive thoughts towards my fantasy basketball team as we look to knock (laughs) off Uriah. Please, I'm the one that needs positive thoughts. We're we're looking for the season sweep against Uriah, so we need oh. we need all all the good luck. Killing me. <laughs> we'll be back next uh, early next week with another episode. So thanks everyone for tuning in, and we'll talk to y'all then. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.